Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword Love Sport. Good evening, you are listening to Love Sport Radio and me, Matt Beadle, with you through to 11pm on our Friday Night Fan Show special. And if you weren't already aware, we are now into the throes of the Leeds United Fan Show. Yes, John McKenzie from All Stats Aren't We joins me as per. Hello, John. Hello, mate. How are you? Very good, thank you. Happy to be in your company. Happy to be also in the company of James Wood. Evening, mate. How are you? Would have been better if we beat Wigan. Mm, yes, we're definitely, definitely going to get onto that, as we will plenty of talking points throughout the course of the next hour. Next up, it is Nottingham Forest for Leeds United. And then next week, midweek, boah, it's a big one. The boys from Besotted are in the house to join us. <laughs> Dave XG Anderson to Hi, talk Matt. all about the game with Brentford. Yeah, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It's nice to be here behind the uh, the Leeds curtain. That's what I'm going to call it. Tell you what, this is new and exciting <laughs> for me. We have an opposing fan in the studio for the duration. We're going to get an opposition view all the way through. I can't wait to hear your views and opinions on Leeds United. Yeah, cheers. Hopefully they're worthwhile and um, don't give too much away. <laughs> oh, this could get juicy. Uh, John, get him out. <laughs> as per usual, we're going to start with a stat, and that is an opening stat. We aren't going to start with a stat because I don't have one. I asked um, Josh Hobbs before the show if we if we had one. He hasn't got back to me, so I, I, I assumed that he was going to come back at the eleventh hour, but he hasn't. I can I can think one up. I can make one up if you want. Well, I tell you what. What we'll start with then? That's throwing me. What we'll start with <laughs> Sorry, is uh, is a quote from. The completely unconnected footballer to Leeds United, which we haven't done for a few weeks. Because okay. you know how we like someone to come in with a with a quote who has nothing to do with Leeds and tends to offer their opinion. And this week is Jamie Carragher. 
Okay. And he has said that Leeds might add to the Yorkshire contingent, thank you, Jamie, by securing Premier League promotion. Thank you, Jamie. That will add, he said, more colour, emotion and, dare one say, interesting fixtures to the calendar. Such clubs, like yourselves, bring passionate supporters who make the game more entertaining for neutrals. Did he really say dare... Dare one say. Dare one say it might make it more interesting fixtures. (laughs) That is exactly what he said. He's a brave man, isn't he? (laughs) That Jamie Carragher. (laughs) Put your thoughts on that. There we go. I mean, passionate, colour, colourful, emotional. I think so, but I think... I think it's every fan base thinks that they are more authentic than everyone else as a fan base. But I think with Leeds, the, the difference is is that they're a big club who went down at the sort of high point of, of Premier League football um, in terms of it being quite an authentic product. And we've had 15 seasons out of the Premier League and, and the club is a club in stasis. It's like going back in time when you go there. So I think the combination of that big club... Um, sort of big history but then also the fact that it's almost we've just picked them out of Premier League football 15 years ago and then dumped them in the championship now uh, I think that all adds to make it quite an interesting mix Are you colourful and emotional and passionate over at Brentford Dave? Uh, very much so very much so you're <laughs> going to see lots of it well yeah I think if, I mean it's it's really I think Carragher's got a great ghostwriter that was just absolute nonsense <laughs> <laughs> what he's talking about but yeah who? I mean anyone goes up they're going to be excited and they're going to bring a lot to the league and probably colour and fans I mean I don't really have too much in it for me. the most generic of comments you could probably ever make isn't it much um, like Brentford oh it started it has started Low. we did not think it was going to go there so early just six minutes in James Wood oh the silent assassin um, gents let's talk about Wigan because we've got to usher that elephant out of the room sharpish um, what on earth happened we were crap really yeah that's pretty much it yeah, it's like the platonic form of Leeds United matches. We have loads of chances, we don't score, Kiko makes an error, and we lose. And Pat Bamford runs around up front for the last 20 minutes, hoping the earth will swallow him up and he won't have to be a footballer anymore. It was absolutely awful. Damning. A damning verdict from James Wood. Yeah, it's the same old story, isn't it? Like like you say, cop- copy and paste whatever has happened to it. Any, any points drop in the last two seasons, copy and paste it from that. Um, and we spent a lot of time diagnosing it but I just don't think there's really any diagnosis I think I mean I'm I err on the side of it's just uh, a historically unlucky season um after a, a, a historically unlucky season last year um so maybe maybe there's something more in it than that but I don't really know what else you can do if you're creating enough chances and good enough chances to score and and then conceding from from a, a deflection from a corner. A bizarre, yeah. a bizarre, bizarre goal, wasn't it? Deflected off Hernandez, didn't it? And mm. then looped over Casillas' outstretched right arm. I don't know what he was doing. It, it looked like he came for the ball on its original flight, couldn't get there, and then tried to backpedal and also mm. couldn't get there. And it was sort of one mistake compounded by another mistake. But yeah. It was absolutely awful keeping. And it's it's not the first time in the recent matches that he's he's cost us, so... Yeah, and it's just, again, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like, fair play if, if a team dissects you and puts the ball in the net, you kind of think, well, you know, you've done what you're trying to do. But when you, when you make it as easy as just sort of like pinging the ball into someone marking close on a corner and it loops over the keeper, you just kind of think, well, there's not really much you can say about that. And that's, that's the problem when you're a channel who tries to sort of rationalise what goes on on a pitch. You just kind of think, well, what do you do about that? Well, this is quite an interesting situation then because we've alluded to your, your, your system trusting performances over the course of the season. 
where are we at with this one? It's literally a case of, well, we don't trust the system. How does it, how does I'm it work? I'm still trusting the process, but I don't think many other people are, um, which is fair enough. I could see why you would get frustrated with it when, I mean, the, the line that I hear all the time is, you know, it's this, we make the same mistakes, which I don't really think is true. I don't think we make the same mistakes. I think we have the same level of like catastrophe around us, but the, the levels, the mistakes that we make are new and varied every week. So um, there, there's certain things that I, there's certain things that I accept with our system that uh, when, when you say something like Kiko Casilla, we, we've talked about him conceding a lot of, uh, shots on target and i'm happy to say you know bielsa's system it does allow for decent chances on target because it allows for space at the back and it is about attacking it is about progressing the ball down the field and so leaving oneself exposed and and trying to mitigate those effects so we, yeah of course we're gonna we're gonna concede goals but you look at the goals that we're conceding and it's and it, it's like it, we it's penalties it's naki wells handballing it's looped looped goals from um from corners and you just kind of think it's just not fair it's not like we we're not even suffering the consequences of the system that we're playing so i'm i'm still in the sort of team trust the process but i can understand why most people wouldn't be i mean i've gotten off the trust the process boss and i'm waiting for something else to come along it's <laughs> Yeah, you can see how during a game we're on top, we have the chances and you think it's going to come. And I think Bielsa said in his press conference after the Wigan game, it was inconceivable to him that we would continue having these chances and we wouldn't score. But I think for everyone who was in the ground, it was very much conceivable we were going to continue getting those chances and not score. And we ended up going down the route of every time the ball went right, Costa would you know absolutely skin the fullback, put a cross in which Cedric Kipre would head away. And I think the frustration of... Um, the fan base is looking at the same thing Bielsa is looking at and saying well you may see a path to, to getting a goal to getting a win but we just don't see where that's coming from at the moment we can see us you know doing this over and over again in sort of a Sisyphean labour and we're never going to score and it's going to be absolutely awful and, and we're going to lose the game we did and I think that drives the sort of frustration with Bielsa most recently after this week but also that's been happening on social media this week with the we want Pervader to play we want Augustin to start and it, it came out in the press conference yesterday he's almost certainly not going to be on the bench well he can't play yeah he's not through his month's grace period is he Augustin uh, he's playing he's at the playing moment at the moment, for the yeah. 23s <laughs> as, as is Pervader <laughs> yeah as no Pervader's on the bench he's isn't on the bench, it isn't yeah it? but as we speak JKA no doing his hamstring for the 23s. We'll never see him play for us. <laughs> so, Dave, to bring you in on this, how does this look from an outsider's, from an oppositional point of view, where you see a team like Leeds, and again, losing to Wigan, and we'll come on to the fact as to whether this will be a psychological thing for the boys. Of course, it was the catalyst last season to lose those final four games. Yes, you went into the playoffs, but we know what happened against Derby. When you are an opposing fan like Brentford, a team, fair to say, on a more upward trajectory, do you look at this and think, oh, they are there for the taking? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I, I, probably probably more so West Brom. But a lot of what I'm hearing is quite similar to what Brentford have gone through over the last few years as well. It's not something new to us or alien, dominating matches and not actually putting teams away, and getting the amount of goals you probably should that sort of matches up with your dominance. So it's not it's not unusual for me to hear this and then sort of hear people losing faith with the system and the process and things like that. But I, I'd stick by it. I th- I think, John, you were just alluding to that. You're just so unlucky as a team. You literally are really unlucky. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be too downhearted. And I think it can't continue for too much longer. I'd be surprised if it did. That, that would be very surprising. And I think there's enough about you about Leeds as a team to actually sort of align this in, in the future. And, and probably the near future as well. You're not... I'd be very surprised if you continue to concede the goals you are conceding for much longer. And Brentford have been through similar things in the past. We're not going through that luck this season. We've changed a few things to to sort of remove that. But 
I, I don't see it continuing for Leeds. I think it, things will align again soon. I think for me, the difference between Brentford and Leeds is that Brentford fans are now used to the concept of long-termism, which Leeds fans just mm. have never had to get used to because they've the last 15 years and before that, everything was short-termism. It was throw money at problems, sort it out, bring in a new manager, bring in new players, etc., etc. And now what we're doing is we're in this situation where we actually, like trusting the process is basically like saying, it doesn't matter really what happens week to week. It's what happens month to month, season yeah. to season. And I don't think Le- Leeds fans are treating this season as though if we don't go up, it's failure, abject failure, and that's it. There's but, nothing yeah. that can come out of that that's useful. But then that is what all the noises that have come out of the club have been about. It's that if we don't go up the season, then Calvin Phillips is getting sold. Bielsa himself is probably leaving. And then the question is, right, well, who's the manager next season uh, we can't afford August now so we've got Bamford up front and we m- maybe Jackie Harrison will stay and then we've got an 8 million option to buy on him mm. but you know Ben White's off playing for Liverpool next year as well and that's right we need a centre back a central midfielder a striker and a manager if we don't go up so you can understand people feel the stakes are high because that's what the, the club's been putting the message out if I mean if, if rather than tweeting unhelpful things about referees and match officials the, the owner was on Twitter saying well Bielsa's staying and Calvin's staying and you know if you want him Barcelona or Man City it's £50 million starting price then I think people would be a bit calmer but we don't have that um, and if if the club wants people to buy into long termism it has to at least not be presenting that the next 16 sure. games are it but at the same time I mean Brentford there is a short termism to Brentford's long termism which is the, a realisation that you have to build from from somewhere and that that building is like player recruitment and making sure you're maximising mm. your utility and, and I guess that's like the, the idea about Calvin Phillips leaving after this season yeah of course he's leaving like he's a he's a great player if we don't get into the premier league then he'll go into the premier league and that's that's natural like that's that's every team is going to deal with that and so i think we just need to get into our heads that we think that we're a premier league side um, and therefore we think that we should have everything on a plate and it's just not like that other teams are working really hard to get into that situation we have so many more advantages to a team like Brentford like we have a, a massive fan base compared to them we have a bigger stadium than them, them etc and, and I guess I, I just get frustrated because I kind of think yeah I agree with you on the point about the, the owners like, I don't think the owners have a long term vision I think they've they've tried to sort of sell long termism in a short termist way which is like oh we've got Marcelo Bielsa so we're going to do sort of long termist visions in the short term but then after that what's going to happen we're going to end up being back into that short term vision where they'll bring in another manager different style of play and everything will fall to pieces again yeah completely agree and I think one of the things that Brentford actually have done really well and the reason the fan base of Brentford is probably more accepting of that kind of thing is because you've seen the fruits of those labours over the last few years it was like mm. oh well you know Lasse Vibes going or Scott Hogan's going or Neil Mopé's going and it's oh well we'll find someone else they'll play like sold Romain Sawyer's in the summer, not a problem. Sold my pay. We've got Ollie Watkins and a, mm. is it Norgard, the central midfielder, and Jensen? Yeah, Norgard's there now. Yeah, yeah. So it's like we'll sell a player, make a lot of money on them, and we'll find somebody just as good. Mm. And that hasn't happened to us. Like, sold Chris Woods two seasons ago now. And in the interim, we've had Pierre Michel Lasoga, Kamar <laughs> Roof, and Patrick Bamford as our centre forwards, none of whom has been as good. So every time we've sold a player, the, the view of the fan base is the person who's going to come in to replace we're not going to effectively replace them so you can't ask for the fans to have faith in long termism when yeah. there has been no successful yeah, long termism no, totally agree totally yeah. agree James Wood coming into the studio like a firehouse, like a new man. <laughs> Thoroughly enjoying it. Slightly different tone from the Brentford fan show on Monday morning. Yeah, on Monday evening, bit, have to say, bit. Dave. Uh, of course, uh, there was a slightly low tone because of that defeat to Nottingham Forest. And it is Nottingham Forest. Next up for Leeds yeah. United, we've got Stephen Topless from the Forest Ramble podcast joining us. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. 
the Leeds United Fan Show here on Lost Sport. We are full to the brim in this studio. We've got John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? James Wood is with us, as is Dave XG Anderson from Besotted. I'm going to use your nickname throughout here, mate. It's just it might, legit, it, it legit might inspire his... these guys to get a little nickname system going on. <laughs> that is so, my uh, that's my Monday night nickname. Oh yeah, mm, Dave Anderson. XG Anderson. What's, the, what's the, the Friday night nickname? Well, God, that's a bit too early for that one, boys. Too early for that one. Later. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk about the Forest game now. Just a quick update from the Championship, though. And Bristol City, who went in front against Birmingham at Ashton Gate through Jamie Patterson, are now two behind. Scott Hogan with another goal for Birmingham and an Andy Vyman Oggy just a few moments ago. Of course, Bristol City looking for five straight wins, but Birmingham, of course, they beat Nottingham Forest, didn't they, uh, earlier on um, this week? So a big result for them and a big game for Leeds United tomorrow, 5.30pm. It's the late kickoff, gents. Tough one, this. I think it's just two wins in the last 14 against Forest. Yeah, I I never liked playing Forest. Um, oh. I, don't, I don't know if I ever liked playing anyone, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... I feel as though we played them earlier in the season. I think we were we were pretty competent against against them then. Again, we we drew and we conceded a silly goal uh, as Rafa Mir clonked the ball against Lewis Graben and it rolled in comically past all of the Leeds defenders. So um, we we know that we know that Forest are going to sit deep. We know that they're going to um, look to to absorb pressure and then try and catch us on the break. They've got Lewis Graben uh, being very very efficient in terms of his uh, conversion and production up front. Um, and all of, put all those things together. A deep lying, t- a deep lying team who are going to look to hit us on the break with a with a productive forward, and uh, it doesn't really look good for Leeds, does it? Well, I tell you what, the mood. Come on, fellas, let's let's lift it a bit. Come on, James, bring Just some anger, of that anger fire. James, some yeah. of that fire. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, I'm slightly more optimistic because I'm one of those fans who's always optimistic and gets disappointed by bad results. But <laughs> this time last year, well, slightly earlier than last year, we played them at the City Ground. We did lose four two after having a man sent off. Uh, but were the better side for the entirety of that game. And if they'd been reduced to 10 men about 10 minutes after we were, then I'm pretty sure we would have gone on to win. So it, it's going to be the same game as against Wigan, albeit with a better team. And while Forest do play in a very defensive manner away from home, I'm not sure that doing what Wigan did at Ellen Road in front of your own fans, which is looking to soak up pressure for 90 minutes, um, is really going to cut the mustard. Um, so I'm hopeful that they will at least try to be a bit more... Uh, attacking and they made a couple of signings over the transfer window didn't they like a couple of more attacking players which suggests that they they want to get out and have a more expansive style than than the one they've got at the moment so uh yeah, but but if Graben could get injured in the warm-up, that would be really, really <laughs> helpful. And we don't wish injury upon any footballer here of on Last Sports. No. no, but of course I understand what you mean. And Dave, <laughs> you are in a perfect position, really, to yeah. comment on this, having recently come up against them. Yeah, we did. Uh, we've played them home and away this season, so can give a bit of insight on them at their place as well. It's it's not going to be any more expansive than they would be <laughs> if they're away, if, that, if I'm honest. Right. Forest are a really weird team. They're not... They sit, they sit really low, obviously, as you're expecting, mm. sit really low and deep and... It's Ben Watson and Sal just sort of sat in front of the centre backs, and they are—they just don't leave that space. They really sort of narrow that. They stay quite narrow there. They'll just follow the centre backs around, and they'll stay in like quite deep positions, and they'll just wait for you to sort of get frustrated and put crosses in, and then they, they can head them away. So I wouldn't be—I wouldn't go to their place and think you're going to get much more space. They're, they're quite happy to sit back and and wait for the sort of out ball for Graben or or Amiobi. Um, they were—they were hideous at Brentford. They're a really, really sort of awful team to play against. Sort of time wasting from the first couple of minutes. Um, the goalkeeper got a yellow card for time wasting. They were really aggressive, not pretty on the eye. But they they came away with a one nil win, and it's, it's it's they're just a weird team. They're, they're not 
I don't know how they're so high up. In the, if I'm being honest, without being too brutal, I don't know how they're so high up in the table. I think the XG table suggests that they should be a lot lower than they are. Yeah, um, I think only, it's only Bristol City that are probably punching above their weight more <laughs> than more than Forest. Well, they've only I think it's forty-seven percent of Forest points have come at home, which is the second worst in the division. Only City mm. are ahead of them, forty-four. Yeah, you're not going to see too much. But I think when Brentford, so I was speaking to you about this earlier, John. When Brentford played them at Griffin Park, we um, we kind of didn't mix anything up, and we were sort of we 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 kind of did what they wanted us to do. We had our inverted wingers. We kept going and trying to sort of move inwards instead of maybe maybe sort of mixed up the back line a little bit, made three at the back or three five two, or just done something different instead of going with the four three three and pursuing with that, and didn't work. I think you'll you'll come up with probably better solutions to what they're what they're what they're trying to do to prevent and it, yeah I, I see you getting more out of the game than us I, I I wouldn't be too I wouldn't be too disheartened okay well the mood in the camp when you read everything about Nottingham Forest and you speak to fans we had a couple of callers on the show last week and they said the mood in the camp despite that defeat to Birmingham is actually still pretty strong and yes there's no talk of the top two of course because no one's talking about the top two because they don't want to do that they're just waiting for West Brom and Leeds to continue to falter but I think mood in the Forest camp which for me was quite surprising earlier on in the season. I was, you know, a huge fan of, of Martin O'Neill and to see him leave because of player pressure, player power, I thought was a massive error. But Lamushi has has kind of made a big difference, hasn't he? I think he's just a sort of solid manager, isn't he? There's a there's a load of clubs in, in or teams in the in the championship at the moment that play four, two, three, one. They don't want to be found out and so they play a really deep double pivot. I feel I feel the same way about what at least at the beginning of the season, Swansea they they played in a very similar way with um, with Grimes sing particularly deep and 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 sort of relying on other teams to mess up rather than really forcing the issue or, or looking to be creative and to be honest you can get quite a, quite a way in the championship if you do that and have a, a functional striker who who can can score goals so. Um, yeah, that's the fr- the frustration for us is is that you want to feel as though the if you put the effort into developing quite a creative system that you'll see some fruits for that. But when you're again, this is coming back to what we we're talking about with the process. When you're seeing other teams just sort of um, competently get their way to towards the top end of the table, you just kind of wonder what what's the point of it all. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, delighted to say we are now joined by Stephen Topless of the Forest Ramble podcast. He's going to give us a verdict from the inside. Hello. Stephen. Hi. Great to have you on the show, boss. We're just discussing the big game, of course, coming up tomorrow evening. Uh, your thoughts going into this one? Um, well, it's, it potentially could be a very big game in, in both of the team's seasons with Forrest a couple of points off Leeds uh, at the top of the table. Leeds have been in and around that top two for most of the season as well. So, from a Forest point of view, it's a real opportunity to, to gain ground on Leeds and it could put them in a position to eventually overtake them. In terms of coming up against teams that sit back and defend, I know that the Forest potentially aren't good at that at home, like to play a bit of a, ta- a counter-attacking game. Where do you see that Leeds need to, to play tomorrow? What kind of style does Bielsa need to implement in order to get one over Forest? I think he would need to make sure that 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 he, he keeps the game tight. He makes life difficult for Forrest, and that he's quite compact with his tactics, and, and in many ways, just allow Forrest to have the ball because it, it does it does seem that when teams allow Forrest to, to have the majority of possession in the game, 
Forrest are more than likely to, to not come out of that game with a victory. Um, it happened against Birmingham. It's happened a couple of times now. Um, it happened at home to Cardiff. That's one example of a home game where that happened. And if, if, if I was be able to try and get a result, I would, I would look to perhaps curve the attacking instincts that I would normally normally have in my team. Is there any players that you think you're reliant on at the moment? For example, I mean, Lewis Graben's being talked about a lot. Um, I know that in the transfer window, there was talk of Forrest wanting to bring in strikers and they were looking at a lot of strikers as well. But for a lot of outsiders, I think Graben is the sort of player that a lot of championship clubs would, would really like to have. Is there, uh, is there any sense in which you have become a little bit over-reliant on Graben? There's, there has been a, a bit of that this season, purely because up until the January transfer window, Graben was the only out-and-out striker at the club who was scoring goals. Um, I had Rafa Ramir, who was on loan from Wolves, but didn't really do a great deal. So, in the end, we became reliant on Graben, perhaps by accident, but I think um, we were quite lucky that Graben didn't pick up a serious injury, because that really would have really would have caused us a problem. He's been so important to the way that the team has played this season. Um, the, in January, we've brought back Tyler Walker on loan from Lincoln City. Um, Nuno da Costa has come in from Strasbourg, and even Adolfo Carby can can play in the, through the middle up top. So, at, at least now Forest do have different options to to mix it up and and try and attack teams in different ways. So, we're going to be hopefully less reliant on grabbing and take some of that pressure off him now in the second half of the season. Stephen, before you go, boss, great having you on this evening. Just a quick score prediction from you. And 2-1 to Forest. 2-1 to Forest. That was the opinion there of Stephen Topless from the Forest Ramble podcast. Gents, before we move on, Lewis Graben. I'm actually not having him, and I never have had Lewis Graben as a, an out-and-out striker. I know that his goals record speaks for itself at certain clubs, but I don't know. You mentioned the goal earlier on about the ball trickling in. Every time I see Lewis Graben scoring, it always seems to either be from two yards or a deflected goal. Well, we mentioned Chris Wood before as well, and similar with him. And The, the point is, is that strikers really need to be able to do a very low subset of things, of skills. Um, I mean, we, I know we always bang on about Bamford having a, a really sort of broad um, skill set. But at the end of the day, if a, if a striker can put the ball in the net, I, I, I guess that's all that you need, really. And uh, I think Graben is probably one of those players. And to be honest, I think Leeds fans would probably like someone like Graben. Um, mm. So who am I to say otherwise? Good point. I guess just trim off that beard. Can't be doing without wisping out. Right, we're going to move <laughs> on now. Of course, it is Brent. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For next, David Anderson is going to be talking all about that. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. It's the Leeds United fan show here on Love Sport. Me and Matt Beadle joined by John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? James Wood is in the house too. You can hear the crunching of cornflake cakes as always <laughs> here on the Leeds fan show. It is <laughs> it's a permanent fixture. And we have now Dave XG Anderson from Besotted here to discuss the game with Brentford. That is coming up, of course, on Tuesday the 11th of February. We shall all be there at Griffin Park thoroughly looking forward to it gents I'm just going to recline now in my seat and let you guys go at it <laughs> right here we go Ring, uh, gloves are on <laughs> go, yeah. Um, yeah well big game on Tuesday um, we're quite looking forward to it actually I don't know if that fills you with confidence or shows you how we're thinking but I, I don't think we fear Leeds as much as we probably have done in the past I think we've got quite a good record I think we're a different side to the team that would have played you up at Ellen Road, so we had a different system then we were playing three at the back. Mm. Um, we've evolved since then, and a lot of our players have matured since then. That, that was, I think we you called us really hard. I think it was the third game of the season, I believe, wasn't it? It was, it was really early in the season. Uh, sort of Jensen hadn't got started, Norgard hadn't got started. We were still playing the three, and it wasn't really a true reflection of ourselves. And I think um, I've probably a lot of other people share this. We wish we could have played you later in the season, and uh, the result might have gone a different way. But we're looking forward to it. Um, there's a few things we do differently now. I think we can we can soak up pressure and probably better than we've ever had done before. This is all Frank's work, sort of defensively. So we won't be kind of. I think before we sort of waste a lot of energy attacking, which is probably something that you're going through now. You don't ever. There's never ever a moment where you kind of just sort of sit in with yourself and sit a little bit deeper and let the other team sort of frustrate themselves and then create counter-attacking situations yourself. A lot of your situations are you've got the ball, you're doing really well, and then teams are able to get numbers back, but. Quite a few situations for our goals now are on counter attacks, and we're, we're we're just a bit of a different beast. So we, yeah, we're quite looking forward to it. What do you think occasioned those changes? It simply was that Frank thought we we need to be more efficient here. Um, as a team, I think probably if you look around the league as well, you look how Sheffield United went up last year. I don't they didn't really blow teams away. They're much more ruthless in their finishing, sort of a much more efficient side. We we conceded too many goals. We. Um, we were just, yeah, we, we weren't good enough defensively. I think we were too open and he changed the system to sort of counteract that because attacking-wise, we've always been good enough. We'll always create enough chances to win games. It's just whether you can keep the other team out for long enough. So I think Frank's just more of a sort of a holistic manager, much more so than Dean Smith. I think he thinks about the defensive side of the game much more than uh, previous managers and... Uh, it's it's kind of working at the moment, yeah, it really is. We have a question that comes up a lot, actually, to our Twitter feed, which is, why don't Leeds just sit a bit deeper and do the opposite <laughs> thing to what other teams do to us? How easy do you think that is a, a decision to make as a, as a club? Like, how, how have you got from a situation where you can be like, actually, we're going to start sitting deeper? Um, because I think one of the reasons why Leeds maybe don't do that so much is because I don't think teams would 
even let us do that if if that makes sense i think if we started sitting deeper and they they would just sort of keep the ball at the back and be happy and happy enough passing it around so um how have you found that sort of transition into being a, 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 a yeah. more counter-attacking side i might be probably overemphasizing how much we've sat deeper but I, I mean being more comfortable in those sorts of situations so the defensive structure is a lot better than it's ever been so you've got your back four you've got sort of someone who sits in front of that back four and then the rest are quite interchangeable and will move forward but it's it's just having more of a solid base, I guess. It's not so much, uh, well, yeah, it's it's got probably quite hard to explain. But there's not so much. Um, we we don't get transitioned against as much as we did before. We're never really caught out with a high line now. Pontus probably a player you'll know well has got a lot to do with that organising the back line. But we're not so much a team that has huge spaces between them and the goalkeeper. Reyes sort of plays like a sweeper keeper himself. We're we're just a better team in that defensive area now. So the tactics should be to take long shots from distance as hold it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was um that was unfortunate, but hasn't happened too often. Um hopefully that's the last time it happens this season. But yeah, shooting from range like that could <laughs> could uh, yeah. could cause some damage. Yeah, I'm immensely pessimistic about my visit to Griffin Park because <laughs> I think I've been to the last three in the aggregate scores, something like seven one to you guys. So yeah. 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 more pie enjoys playing against Leeds. Uh, he was quite. I think. Did he get two last season? Yeah. Or did he get one? I'm yeah, he sure. got one. I think. Yeah. I'm to be honest, fellas. I cannot wait for this one. I think, for, on a serious note, I think it is going to be an absolute thriller. I think you've got two very good footballing sides mm. coming up against each other, and you just hope, John, that that doesn't cancel itself out. I don't think it will. I think the these are two of the th- these are the two best teams in the championship from a tactical point of view. Um, I think the you, you're not going to get. We've talked already in the previous section about how Forrest have got a long way by just being competent and being like well drilled in a, in a particularly solid system. Um, but with Leeds and Brentford, both managers are trying to do things with their with their teams. Both managers believe that you should be proactive. I think generally in on, on a football field, um, and that means that you have to transition the ball, you have to progress the ball, you have to make things happen, regardless of whether or not you're going to do that through through counter attacking moments. But I think the difference between someone like the way that Brentford will be counter attacking versus the way that um, someone like Forrest will be counter-attacking is that for Forrest it will just be a case of get the ball forward as quickly as possible and see what happens whereas with, with Brentford it will be more positionally um, aware it will be it will be running routes um, it will be running through systems that they've they've been doing on the training field so it will be much more um, efficient uh, in that sense and I think the result of that will be it, it should be a fairly um, hammer and tongs game um, I think um, in which which both clubs do try and impose themselves on on the opposition in a sort of in a more attacking sense it's amazing how much can change right in the space of a couple of months in football because I think if you'd put this to Leeds fans a couple of months ago you would have come into this and this show would have probably been a bit different you would have been full of you know optimism looking forward to a game but actually like you said at the outset there Dave that you guys are really looking forward to this contest and I think that you guys are somewhat not I never look forward to Brentford games because I think Brentford, because of what we just said in the last answer, because they are a team who you actually get a sense that they're going to beat us on their own terms. Now, no, barely other any other teams in the Championship even try and play us on, on their own terms. And I think that's why uh, it was interesting saying that you don't think Brentford fear Leeds. And I think there's a lot, I don't think there's a lot of teams really in the Championship who fear Leeds because they know that they can, like any team know that they can come. Like Wigan have, have got something like three away wins in like two seasons and then two of them are against Leeds. And I think it's because they know that actually they they can they, they can sort of get something out of the game. But um, yeah, I think it, it it should be it should be um, an interesting game because well I I just don't think that we we don't fear we we do fear 
Brentford because I think they do have that, that capacity to actually outthink us and out-tactic us on the field. But do you not think that's because Leeds fans this season fear every team? We fear Brentford because they're really good on the ball. We fear Wigan because they're really bad on the ball, but we'll not have any of it. Like, well, I mean, what do you mean by fear? Because like, I fear Wigan, but then I know that we'll outplay them and we'll be, be better than them and we'll do enough to win the game in scare quotes. So I guess it's a different type of fear. Like I just I just have a numbing, a feeling of numbing inevitability that something stupid will happen and we'll go a goal down and then the team will sit deep and we won't be able to break them down. That's And, and I don't really have that sort of... It's not. I guess it's not a sort of team-specific fear um, mm-hmm. in that sense. Yeah, because I, I don't worry so much about the result against Brentford. I think if Brentford win the game, they will almost certainly win the game by outplaying us and being better than us. And yeah. Given that that yeah. hasn't really happened so far this season, I could happily walk away from Griffin Park off the back of a 3 0 defeat and say, you know what, they're great and they're going up and those things happen. Like, mm, yeah. There's no shame in losing away to another good team. We did at West Brom last year. It, it's the frustrating results that we don't deserve that are the ones that really really give you an absolute kicking mm. on Brentford yourselves one of the stats I saw on Twitter previously and I can't vouch for its source I don't know if it's any good is that you failed to score in sort of 13 of the 30 games you've had which seems to suggest you were 11, ba- it's 11 yeah, batter, which is not is one of the worst records yeah. in the league is it a case of you'll either batter teams or not <laughs> score yeah so Matt I don't know if you remember on Monday the one I was going through that with you so mm. There was a load of matches with Brentford where it started. So we're 30 games into the season now. You can start to draw some patterns in the matches. And it's there's a load of matches where the expected goals, so the total expected goals with both sides is around 1.5, sort of 1.4. That mark. And if um, those sort of tighter games, Brentford, come, Brentford can't win those games. There's none of those games we won. It's, re- it's really tight sort, of, tight sort of link between those 1.5 expected goals and uh, Brentford not winning. When the game is open and... Um, Generated sort of about 2.5, 3, 3.5. Brentford come out on top of these shootouts. So, Leeds is this is why we do so well at Leeds. What sort of game do you think we're going to have? A, do you think we're going to have a low two point? But interestingly, like, the, when we played at Elland Road, it was that sort of tetchy it game. Was, and it that was. goal game must have been around a 1.5 XG. That was XG. one of the games yeah, that we right. didn't win. So, the, I, I think but this is why I was talking about us being a different team to them. So, yeah. that was the three at the back system. We struck, we actually struggled to create in that system. That yeah. was one of our problems. Yeah. We were we were good defensively and we probably gave up too much attacking, yeah. attacking wise for that defensive structure but that was a long time ago we're sort of slightly different sides of that now but the stat you're talking about so it's the two extremes Brentford are either going to blow a team away or the opposition who aren't going to come and do what Forest, uh, Huddersfield, Stoke so there are teams that Brentford come up against who are really adept at playing against them and play the exact way that frustrates and, and limits chances and just keeps the game very very tight and doesn't let it doesn't let this shootout happen of multiple shots they keep it really limited and chances wise and there are there was there's about four or five teams that can do that and we've played them twice so that's that's where you're getting this uh this sort of i think it's like 33 35% of the games we just haven't scored in which mm. is bizarre yeah it'd be interesting to, having said that i think that both teams will try and play each other on their own merits um mm. There's been a few games this season where Leeds haven't really looked quite as flowing as they have in other games. I'm thinking particularly the West Brom game early on in the season at home um, where we, we got the 1-0 win, but we looked very, very stodgy in that game for us. And I wonder whether or not we might try and do something similar with with, with Brentford um, and and especially given that you've just said this, that you, there's an awareness that you're either going to beat Brentford 1-0 or you're going to lose 5-1, right? So it, it could be interesting to see whether or not that, that, that sort of game transpires. 
but then you think that there is absolutely no way <laughs> that Bielsa is going to go into that game and say, you know what, we'll do a Mourinho, yeah. we'll sit deep, park the bus, <laughs> and wait to hit them on the break with a ball over the top to Costa. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> we also haven't had a clean sheet in about nine games as well, so I've got a feeling that that might not be the best way of going as well for us. So yeah, mm. although Calvin is back from suspension for the Brentford oh, game, so are you sure he's isn't he playing tonight? Uh, he's he, playing tonight in the 23s because he's suspended for the game tomorrow. But it, oh, this sorry, is yes, the yes, last yes, game yes, of the yeah, suspension. Yeah. Apologies, yeah. Uh, so he'll be back for Brentford, which does give me a lot more confidence he has just conceded two goals though so that, that maybe maybe that should give you less confidence yeah but he's playing with 15 year olds like. that's even worse <laughs> <laughs> okay gents nice we've got some crossover for the listeners questions next on this the Leeds United fan show on Love Sport we've all got one and we're not afraid to put it on display our opinions that is share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558 Love Sport Radio, your fan station. It's the Leeds United fan show here on Love Sport. We've got John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? James Wood is in the house, as is Dave XG Anderson from Besotted and the Brentford fan show. You can Hi. hear him on Monday evenings at 8pm over on Love Sport London. And right now, we are going to jump into our listeners' questions and we've got a bit of crossover. So Dave, some have been directed at you, my friend. And we're going to start with Billy Reid, who has asked, <clears throat> what is the general perception amongst Brentford fans about the top two this season? Do they see Leeds as more likely to get promoted than West Brom? How highly do they rate their chances of achieving automatic promotion? Ah, oh, Billy, good question. Um, I, I can speak, I can vouch for myself, I can speak how I feel <laughs> and I can try and touch for a few Brentford fans. But, I think from my perspective, I see West Brom as the weak link up there. I don't see it as Leeds. And I think that's probably because I'm coming from a, more of an analytical standpoint and interested in that side of the game. So I see West Brom with the heavy flaws going through. I see Leeds as just being quite unlucky. So we do. I think most Brentford fans now, I think they've all come around to the idea There's one. there probably is one automatic space up for grabs. Leeds and West Brom aren't going to continue this and probably seal that off. And there's also a little bit of Fulham maybe sneaking in there as well. So I... Just looking at the question, yeah, I, I, I think we've got a Brentford have got a good chance. I'd, I'd say it's fifty-fifty. I don't think anything's sewn up, and there's a lot of games to play. We're only thirty games in. I wouldn't, me personally, I'd say West Brom are the weaker side. But I think generally, across f- football and fan bases, they all look at Leeds and they'll say it's Leeds the weakest. So. Across a lot of us, one of them's going down. It's not going to be two of them in the top two. Earlier on in the season, so this is like jumping back into the, the last section and me asking David a question. But early in, in, in the season, yeah. we were putting out, we were saying that there was a big discrepancy between Brentford's home form and their away form. Mm. And you could look at something like their possession of the ball, and at home you had like comparative um, percentage possession to Leeds, but then away from home it was much less than that. And we've been saying, you know, Brentford always going to be dangerous, but it was going to be a question of whether or not they could sort out their away form. Mm. Do you think? that that has happened and and you is, is that still in it is that what is going to hold you off those top two sp- spots no no not at all I think um, this is what we spoke about earlier I think Brentford are much more comfortable now sitting without the ball and um, spending periods of time when teams are yeah, blowing themselves out trying to attack I think we're much better without the ball probably the best we've ever been especially since promotions of championship and then probably league one as well it's we're far more competent in that area so Actually, no, I don't see I don't see that as an issue. I think being away is... This is probably going to sound quite weird, but Brentford actually do quite well away from home because Griffin Park can be quite, it can be quite suffocating, so teams obviously sit low. At, away from home, you can't... Your, your own fans are sort of pushing you on. You, you physically cannot sit back. Mm. 
in that sort of away block that you would yeah. at home. It just doesn't happen. So there are there are more spaces for us away, and we saw that at Hull. Hull were the, the perfect team for us to play on Saturday, the 5-1 win. It may help that their two best players have just left as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that contributed to it, but I think I don't. I think they may what they'd have got one more goal. I mean they've got a pretty pretty lucky goal anyway. I don't think they'd have yeah, scored yeah. four or five against us. So, yeah, I, I don't see the away thing being an issue at all. No. Okay, moving on to GMF. GMF. I said EMF. Remember EMF. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Tell you what, this this question is going to be unbelievable. Oh, right. Uh, GMF. We'll move swiftly on. Curious Friday to know. Nights. From... I might come to more Fridays. <laughs> we have fun on the Leeds fan show, don't we? Uh, GMF is asking. He's curious to know, or she is curious to know, from David, in which game Brentford have looked most uncomfortable this season and why? What system slash team, etc. Yeah, I was, t- I was thinking about this, and um, it might be a bit of recency bias in my head, but at home against Forest, we looked pretty uncomfortable. I think we had lots of control, but I, th- I, I don't think we've looked too uncomfortable this season. I, I don't want to. I don't think we have. It's it's just a, it's quite a sort of absolute word, uncomfortable. But we struggled the most against Forest because of the, the sort of shape they sat in, and, and uh, we. We ran out of ideas, and I guess not uncomfortable. I guess what what we ran into problems against. I guess who caused us some problems defensively, and I'd say Forest were one of those teams. Huddersfield have done it a couple of times, but is that down to the coach being sort of too inflexible? Does he need to do more with the players? I wouldn't say uncomfortable in probably the sense he's thinking, but struggled against, and it's that low block of Forest. I think that's yeah. that's what we struggled the most with. Okay, they are coming right at you, Dave. We've got another one here from (laughs) Tom Woodhead, like this one. David, we Leeds fans are used to reductive takes and a lack of genuine curiosity in the media. See Spygate, obsession with Bielsa's bucket, etc. Do you feel there's a similar triteness at play in media coverage of Brentford? (laughs) Does the surface level moneyball angle get tiresome? Yeah, no. Uh, well, I think it's quite funny. The Moneyball thing's hilarious. It's um, it's something that's been going on for years. It's it's yeah. I mean, it is quite lazy, but it's it's something to be known by. I guess you'd rather be known by something than not, wouldn't you? It's, like, it could be worse. It could be. There's worse things to be known yeah, by as well. Moneyball right? a pretty successful thing. It's I such think... a classic thing, though, isn't it? Whenever yeah. anybody is asked about Brentford, if they yeah. don't know too much, they go, "Oh yeah, no, decent team." And they've got the Moneyball <laughs> system in there, haven't they? Yeah, it's, that, it's absolutely hilarious. But if I think if we took if. If we be serious about the media, I think in the last sort of six months, you've actually seen a bit of a shift in how the media cover Brentford. It, it's gone from pretty much a laughing stock with sort of getting rid of the academy, um, Brentford, uh, what are they doing? Do they know what they're doing? As, as in the running of the club have done some quite radical things in terms of football. And it was, there's been so many things, a lot of talk shows just talking about how comical Brentford are as a football club. But now you see the narrative actually change and the fruits are coming through and it's like, ah, couldn't we get a bit of this slice? And actually are a club to be sort of revered and not laughed at so there has been a shift but the moneyball thing doesn't really bother me I think I think it's quite funny and uh, just sort of lazy and just laugh at it I did say didn't I on the Brentford fans show a couple of weeks ago after the FA Cup game with Leicester yeah. that it was really interesting to watch the BBC live coverage because you had Lineker Dublin and Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer there and during the game after the game they were all like oh Crikey, this is actually a decent brand of football. And this was the B team at the time, whereas yeah. with Leeds, I think they're already so aware because Bielsa is such a figure and Leeds is such a club. I'm not saying that Brentford aren't such a club as Leeds, but I think that because they were a Premier League club, more attention was focused on them. And 
they're aware of what Leeds are, whereas I mean, Brentford, a lot of high-profile figures aren't. We still get the lazy like stereotypes as well with sort of like oh Bielsa's teams always like fade out at the end of seasons, mm-hmm. uh, etc., etc. These are all problems that Bielsa has had before, and and I guess that's just natural when you're covering one league and and not really doing your job in following the other league, which is the pretty much a feeder league into the the one that you're covering. But there you go. That's that's just me. Call me old-fashioned. <laughs> Call you a boomer, mate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's taken us six months to get you to use that word properly. Finally. Did I get it right? Did I get it right? Yeah. Okay. You should have just said, okay, boomer. I think oh, that, okay. would have, that would have gone down better. But like, yeah, we'll okay. get there in the end. Right, nearly there. Next time. Uh, this one's from Matthew Keegan's Wood to the Leeds boys. What is the XG of our attacking midfielders? Costa, Harris and Click Pablo versus actual goals. Perception is they are just as wasteful as Bamford. Yeah, Josh Hobbs has got a piece out on our Medium page, which is available on our Twitter um, channel. So if you go there, that's a good place to go for a lot of the questions about what the root causes of our problems at the moment are. I have got the numbers in front of me. Um, so Patrick Bamford is is pushing seven goals below his XG, which is uh, which is. <laughs> I don't. I've not heard many players having such um, ridiculous uh, underperformance levels. But the the disappointing thing is that none of our players in the in the attacking um, side of the team are in a uh, more than one goal above um, XG so n- none of them are <clears throat> producing in fact there's only one player who is actually in a positive figure for, for against XG who's Pablo Hernandez is 0.54 goals above his XG um, levels everyone else is below so Jack Harrison is nearly two goals below um, Alioski's quite um, he's obviously scored a few goals he's pretty much at parity Mateus Click is two and a half goals below Helder Costa's a goal below and Stuart Dallas is half a goal below so yeah the the issue is definitely a team-wide one but when Patrick Bamford is missing uh, I, I guess a cumulative total pretty much more than everyone else that that, that will become quite noticeable as well see I, I just don't agree with that like yes everybody else is missing chances and not you know creating and putting the ball in in the net as much as they should be that's clear but the way our system is set up the chances when they exist will tend to fall to Bamford and so it's all very well saying well everybody else is also playing poorly and there's a general malaise within the team which was also the case I think last year with Roof and with some of the players we had then but the the primary problem problem is is up front and there were with with Bamford's ability to finish and obviously there have been some chances recently where he's missed and people have got on his back and what have you um, but this has been going on all season long and it's just been that the defence has previously dug him out and it's that that hasn't been happening ever since the whole game and there's a lot more focus on that now yeah, than there was I mean I, do, I disagree with you I think that you, you'd expect players more players than just Bamford to score and like eight goals below his ex- expected levels is is woeful and so everything that is going Bamford's way at the moment is very, very well deserved but Jack Harrison is a really important attacking figure a lot of stuff goes in the back post that he doesn't finish off uh, he's two goals below he should be he should definitely be higher than that so yeah it's frustrating because like in it's not just when you marry that with this notion of like giving away cheap goals as well, you're getting like goal swings the opposite direction, and it means that we're losing games that we would normally win, and and that's the frustration. So I do, I, I I do agree that like yeah, Bamford should, should obviously score more than everyone else, but he's also missing loads as well. So I don't know. It it it, it what goes around comes around. You look like you're going to say something, David. Uh, it's just a conversation. Well, just things I've seen previously for Brentford, but I was, it's uh, I'm. From an outsider looking in, I've, we spoke earlier. I, 
I think if you just look at Bamford, they so say, what is he now? Twenty six? Is he twenty seven? Twenty seven. Twenty seven this so year. He's not. He's not a young player anymore. I think there's a bit of an, a thing when you talk about Bamford and you think, oh, he's still young. He's still developing. He's sort of approaching his peak years. I, I just think it is a quality thing with Bamford. I really do. I, I just don't think he's quite at the level mm. of a t- of a of a striker that you want to rely on to sort of force you into into the Premier League. And we were talking last week about about the way that Brentford pick players who mm. have an ability to strike the ball cleanly. Yeah. And I think ever since you've said that, I've thought about Leeds players, and I thought you know a lot of them really struggle to strike the ball cleanly. Like, is there anyone in our team that you think if they they get the chance to take a shot quickly, they're going to catch it? pure and it's going to be okay like what Alioski maybe like but then equally that could go entirely wrong mm. Click's got like quite a good shot if he's got space and time but mm. and Pablo I guess and mm. but that's it I think Dallas strikes the ball cleanly it's about <laughs> Roe <Yu. laughs> right? was the Andy Townsendism right he, yeah, if yeah. anything he's hit that too well yeah. yeah but also I'll quickly ask this so this is something that I sort of see with your attack so I feel like I'm taking over here sorry Matt <laughs> no no not but at all I was laughing at your, the Townsend thing your front trident so <laughs> if you look at Brentford's we've got Ben Rama on the left we've got Mbomo on the right and then we have Watkins through the centre and if you think about those two right footer left footer centre forward who can use his left but he's been a winger so he's sort of adept at using both feet a little bit what you have is kind of Harrison on the left very left footed so a lot of stuff does go outside and he's putting a lot of crosses but then when he does come central is our things coming at him onto his right foot which is what you'd want to open up the goal it's not it's on his left foot so you narrow that angle mm. and then on the right hand side Costa's stronger foot is his left as well isn't it really what would yeah, you say yeah. just as I mean he can use his right well so what, what's he doing on the other side as well and then you have Bamford on top of all this whose strongest foot is his left his only foot is his left, I think we'd go so far as to say. Well, yeah, so then you've yeah. got things coming from Harrison back post of Bamford, and what, what's, would he want, what foot does he want on it? And a lot of stuff's coming on his right foot. So I, I just think there's a muddling. So this, if, we, if you look at XG for so long, and you're not getting your answers from XG, there has to be something yeah. else to look for, look for answers. And it's yeah. not, it's, there's something deeper than just pure shot location. I do, I do think that none of those players are good finishers mm. I don't think Harrison is a good finisher and I don't think Costa's a good finisher really I think Costa's great if he gets in behind and he can and put the ball ball in but yeah I, I don't I don't think any of them are, are strong sort of like whatever you'd want 50% finishers but no and I think one of the things that's been really noticeable to me over the last little while is that we haven't We've been having Costa down, as you say, Costa down the right, Harrison down the left, Bamford in the middle, and you know that is the system. And it was very noticeable against Arsenal in the cup that Harrison went on to the right and suddenly looks an absolute handful because of his ability to cut yeah, in. I think and inverted it's, it's, would be brilliant. Yeah, it? it's madness for to me that at no point during a game do. Costa and Harrison switch, especially mm. as last season when we had uh, Hernandez, Alioski, Saez behind Roof. Uh, they all switched as a, as a rotating three yeah. all the time. So I don't know why we've gone away from Is that. Is it Costa's inflexibility, do you think? There must be something. What, what do you think now? I, I don't know. Go on. Oh, oh is the, well. Costa came on against Barnsley when mm. it, before we got into the first team on the left and looks an absolute sensation down the left. So I don't see why he can't play there. He did, gents. Sadly, we are out of time. I was going to ask Could you about take the next hour. Be, as well. I know it'd be great, wouldn't it? We wanted to it's talk Cardiff about Bielsa's passionate presser, but we can't do that. <laughs> Sorry, Barney Stewart. This has been the Leeds United fan show. David, thank you for your time. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Thank you, James. Cheers, thank mate. you, John. We'll be back next week, eight pm. See you then. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 